1: It's time to talk from the inside of sports. It's time for G. Cobb in the House with Gary Cobb and co-host Micah Warren. We'll talk to and about players, front office personnel, agents, and the newsmakers in and around sports. Now, here are your hosts, G. Cobb and Micah Warren.
2: What's going on, everybody? How you doing? This is G. Cobb in the House on VoiceAmericaSports.com. I'm Micah Warren. Uh, We'll be joined by our buddy G. Cobb uh, shortly. Uh, in the meantime, I am here with Bob Cunningham from Gcob. dot com. What's happening, Bob? Not a whole lot. Yeah. What are you up to? Tell me something exciting, Bob.
3: <sighs> Nothing. Waiting for uh, the waiting for the season to start. Yeah, I live. I live here. Watching and, and, the Phillies.
2: <laughs> well, you know what? I want to get to something because, cause obviously, here in Philly, uh, the big thing is, is the Flyers just going down in the Stanley Cup. Um, and while I'm watching that, I was thinking of something. I know you're not a huge hockey guy, so I won't get into how much I think Leighton just is not good enough to be a Stanley Cup goalie. Um, they made a, a, an incredible run in the postseason. So they come out and they beat you know, their big nemesis, the Jersey Devils. They, they mop them up. They get down three games to none of the Boston Bruins. Uh, they come back and tie it at 3 all. They go down 3 nothing in game seven. They come back and win that 4-3. They mop up the Canadians. And they lose in Game Six in the Stanley Cup Finals. If you remember, uh, they had to win on a shootout of the last day of the year to even make the playoffs. I started thinking—I'm thinking about all this because if you look at the media coverage and the fan reaction, it's almost universally, "Hey, they had a great ride," and they did. They did. They had a great ride. They fought hard. Boy, they overachieved. Whatever you know. Now, two years ago, the Eagles needed pretty much the last game of the season to get in. You know They needed two teams to lose and win, you know, to win know to get into it. They make a run. They take out the Giants and the Vikings, and they, and they make a run deep to the NFC Championship game, and they're within, what, 10 minutes of, of, of going to the Super Bowl. They made a great run, fell just short. How did everyone react? Did anyone say, boy, they tried real hard? Nope. They skewered them. Oh, Donovan didn't get it done again. He's not good enough, this and that. But when the Flyers do it, it was a great run. I mean, Bob, do you think I'm crazy? I mean, you see, did you agree that they're, they're treating these two teams differently? If the Eagles came up short, let's say, I don't know, for three points short, let's say, in a Super Bowl, to make up that number. Mm. They skewered them. It was never good enough. Flyers haven't won a championship since 1975. Why did they get a pass? I mean, do you notice that? Do you think the Flyers get a pass? Well, if that had been the Eagles that made that run, they'd have killed it.
3: Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. But that's, uh, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. But the, the reason behind that is uh, no matter how many people have hopped the Phillies bandwagon and no matter how many people will hop the Flyers bandwagon, mm-hmm. Philly's a football town. Fans with a football mentality, Eagles have always come first. And I think that's why uh, the Eagles get ripped apart, because every year it's Super Bowl or bust. You know, they don't settle for anything less, as they shouldn't. But, uh, you know, with that run then and losing to the Cardinals, then people were also thinking, wow, we get to play the Cardinals. You know, the Cardinals went on this run. They're not the better team. We should beat them easily and uh, dance into the Super Bowl. But I think it's the added uh, just it's a football town, so the Eagles get a whole lot more scrutiny. Plus, people were always looking to make a jab at McNabb, so that certainly and, didn't help things.
2: And to me, I think that's probably the difference. Um, for a lot of people, like you said, people getting on the Flyers' bandwagon. This whole team was new to a lot of people. They didn't know how obnoxious it is to watch Scotty Hardnell. You know, they didn't know know what it's like to watch Jeff Carter shoot every time he gets the puck. You know, and send it off the back wall that it starts to rush in the other direction. If, if it had been that, and they were familiar with that as, as though they were familiar with McNabb's incomplete passes, maybe you don't get that. Maybe it's treated a little, a little bit different. So I do kind of think that uh, McNabb's probably the re- the difference there, which just kind of goes to show you how ridiculous it is. But, you know, I wrote something for GCOB.com this week on McNabb, maybe getting a new contract, just whatever, a slow news day I found it through it. I was getting ripped for mentioning the guy's mm-hmm. name. They mm-hmm. ripped me for oh, why, why don't you, uh, and of course they, bl- Bob, you write to this site, you've seen, where they'll rip <laughs> us as though G wrote it, even though our name is clearly on it. They'll be like, what are you mm-hmm. talking about? I'm just like, wow, how can you not see that G didn't write that? Huh. But they were like, oh, why don't you go cover the Redskins? This is nonsense. I thought we were done with this guy. There's a lot of venom in this city for that guy. I yeah,
3: don't know uh, what I'm- he did. I, mean, I will never understand it. Uh, I didn't understand it while he was here. I don't understand it now that he's gone. Uh, I mean, you want to hate the guy now because he's a redskin? Hey, fine, I'm down with that. But uh, just no one wants to hear his name. They want to act like he doesn't exist anymore. Kevin Cobb is God. I I don't know. I'm done trying to understand honestly,
2: it's it. It's like somebody's ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Don't even talk about her. I don't want to hear about her. Don't, t- don't tell me about her. I don't know what she's doing. I don't know what she's doing.
3: Like the problem, is the amazing. difference there though is you liked the ex-girlfriend at one point. They've never. Yeah. This is like an arranged marriage for these people, <laughs> and they're they're happy to see McNabb go. I don't know.
2: And, and I don't get that. And I know we we bring him up a lot on this show. Uh, I'm trying to. I don't. Maybe we won't ever really know until ten years down the road when we can really look back and try and figure out where it all went wrong with him. Where did everyone go so sour? Uh, well, I think it was
3: know, a lot I of the hype, too.
2: What's
3: that? Uh, it was a lot of the hype from day one. You know, you've got a guy like uh, Randell, who knows a whole lot of nothing, right? Uh, sending his goons down to boo anyone not named Ricky Williams. Well, you know, how would that have turned out? Where would the Eagles be right now had they drafted Ricky Williams? Or had they drafted Tim Couch or Achilles Smith? You know, 98 was supposed to be the year of the quarterback. It was going to rival uh, 83. And the Eagles were the only team smart enough to draft the right guy. Now the Vikings got a good one, Dante Culpepper, for a few years. But he wasn't, uh, you talk about career, not even close to McNabb. No, it's
2: not. But you know what's funny about that? And I I don't know if people remember this. and They they probably do. Uh, So the Eagles had the second pick in the 99 draft, mainly because in 98 they were So wretched. They were so I mean I don't know if you remember watching that season. I mean it was week to week. If they completed a five yard pass, it was like scoring two touchdowns to me. It was so Mm -hmm. bad to watch. And and this is what I never understood about the Ricky Williams thing. Who was one of the few players they did have? Deuce Staley. In his prime. He was finale, he was a very good back then. When you when you win three games, probably by a combined five points, it couldn't have been much, man. They were barely Barely winning a yeah. game. And you, all you have is a running back? Why would you think another running
3: back's going to solve that problem? Well, that was the thing, people. He was had been hyped up like he was the next coming. You know, he was Walter Payton. He was Barry Sanders. You know, he was going to be that guy, uh, you know, day one. So it didn't matter. He was going to rush for 2,000 yards and scored 90 touchdowns or whatever they expected out of him. And no one saw past that.
2: And, if he, and think about also, just from a business standpoint, what it would have been like if he was the face of your franchise. Not that he's a bad guy. I mean, he's done some weird stuff, but mm-hmm. not. You know, he's not a terrible person. He's a little weird. Yeah. I mean, the guy, his rookie year, did interviews with his helmet and visor on. Because mm-hmm. he was just so terrified. He had social anxiety disorder or whatever it was. You know, obviously, he goes and plays in the CFL. He's out of the league. He's moving around. Now he's a backup who admitted last year he wanted Ronnie Brown back because he 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 was happier being a backup?
3: Could you imagine if he said that in Philadelphia? Oh, Ricky Waters still gets uh, destroyed for for who for what? That's that pales in comparison to the stuff Williams is bold. Right.
2: So now you and so, so now you, you had Donovan, who was the face of the franchise. They didn't even appreciate that because for whatever reason, and you know which we still don't completely understand. And, obviously, now he's in Washington. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll look ahead to, to see what we got with this team this year. Um, but Kevin Cobb's your guy. All the people out there that want Donovan gone, you got your wish. And Cobb better be the guy. So, uh, we've got to go to break shortly, but, but I, I do want to start this. As far as what are your expectations for this team this year? Um, G and I were do, having some discussion about this with some other people. And I was getting skewered for saying, you know, if they're 6-10, and he was asking, was, well, what's progress to you? What's progress? I'm thinking, well, how can you really judge progress? You can't say, well, you have to be better than last year because you've got a whole new quarterback. you got rid of your franchise quarterback. So aren't your expectations adjusted at this point? And what would be a positive step for this team at this point?
3: Uh, uh, for next year, for me, 8-8 eight eight is like uh, uh, is like an NFC championship run again. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, you look, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, took over the Packers six and ten. He had a good statistical year, but the team around yeah. him wasn't there. So it's a different circumstance. Cobb has a bit of a better team than I think Rodgers had, uh, so I think they overachieved in '07 for their 13 and three record. But it, it's a brand new guy, and I don't McNabb hater or not. If you look me in the face and tell me Cobb at least for a couple years is not a step back from McNabb, the way Rodgers was a step back from Favre, you're crazy. You're either in absolute denial or you're an idiot because he is a step back. There is a step down, and they're going to have a lot of growing pains with him. 8-8 would be a fantastic season.
2: And that also doesn't take into consideration the fact that this is, you know, it's Cobb's ship this year, but he's not solely responsible for the outcome of these games. Uh, And we're going to get into this, too, because right now, you know, it's funny, almost the whole time McNabb was here, he had a great infrastructure. His offensive line was pretty reliable. Um, with Runyon and Trey Thomas there almost all the time, he had a pretty solid offensive line, but no weapons on the outside other than you know, maybe Westbrook and, and, for a time, Terrell Owens or whatever. Now Cobb has all these weapons on the outside. I don't know if they can block for him.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I, are you terrified of this offensive line? And, and take into account the fact that if he's an inexperienced quarterback, which he is, not his fault, He's got to know where that blitz is coming from. And if it's coming up the middle, you might just just take a look at those last two Dallas games. You're going to have a whole season of it. Yeah, well, so and then the other thing get fixed, too. I don't know. Do you trust Nick Cole at center?
3: No, I don't trust Nick Cole anywhere. I'm not a fan of Nick Cole at all. Uh, I don't think he's got good feet. He's very easily beaten uh, through the gap. You know, if you get a guy like Jay Ratliff, for oh, example, yep. Just throw that name out there. He shoots the gap. Cole is done. Absolutely done. The thing McNabb could do was step up, avoid guys, dance left, right, find someone open. Cobb's not going to be able to do that. Someone comes in, he's got one, maybe two steps, and he's down. And that's that. So I I think McNabb made the line look a little better than what they were, and Cobb's going to... No, that's absolutely possible
2: too. We got to run to a break. When we get back, we'll talk some more Eagles here. Uh, We'll be right back. This is G Cop in the house on VoiceAmericaSports.com. We'll be right back.
4: Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America
5: Sports. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday, 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Do you want to
4: know what's really going on these days? each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific time.
2: All right, this is G-Cobb in the house on VoiceAmericaSports.com. I'm Michael Warren, along with Bob Cunningham from g com. Talking a little Eagles, um, and we were just talking about the, the offensive line, which, oh boy. Um, now, Andy Reid says that Nick Cole is his starter at center right now until Jamal Jackson gets back, because uh, whatever my, my medical opinion's worth, and believe me, it's not worth much, Jamal Jackson's probably a candidate for PUP. Um, I I haven't seen them say anything specifically, but um, he's not going to practice all training camp most likely. And if he's not going to be ready for week one or two, you probably just put him on the uh, physically unable to perform list and you get his Ross spot, whatever, until week six, until they can bring him back. Um, But until that point, they're saying Nick Cole's the guy, despite the fact that they had in this recent mini camp, she was telling me that it was Mike McGlynn and AQ Shipley were taking all the reps at center. Now, does that make any sense to you, Bob, if, if you have a new quarterback, a new offensive line, too, because you've got Harriman's out, and they're saying they think he's going to be fine, whatever yeah, whatever that means. That doesn't mean anything to me. Um, you got some guys shuffled around. If, if, you're, if you're Andy Reid and you know he has everything down to their bathroom break scheduled out, would he be wasting any time at all with McGlynn and Shipley if he was sold on Nicole?
3: No, it clearly shows he's not sold on Nick Cole. Uh, but, you know, Reed doesn't he doesn't like to waffle to the media. He likes to tell them something uh, concrete, usually, uh, even if it's whether not. it's true or not. I mean, the truth is a small obstacle for anything he says to the media. So uh, I think there's clearly a competition there, at least as far as Reed is concerned. And I think it'll last probably all through the preseason.
2: Yeah, and we'll see what happens with that. But that does affect, depending on what Nicole does, and now it affects your right guard situation. Um, If if you have to pick a guy right now, you can't put Maxine Gillis back in there.
3: I mean... Yeah, they're talking about... uh, The ideal situation is that Stacey Andrews is ready to go. uh, And that uh, that he's worth the money. I mean, he is a year removed uh, from the knee surgery so he's, he's not ready to go this year,
2: it, you got to but... move him. Now, knowing what you know now, because Nikola, okay with it right guard. You don't like him at right guard either, or you just hate him at center?
3: Well, I really hate him at center. Uh, he's a serviceable right guard. Uh, but, again, I think uh, when it comes to, you know, against the three-four front, uh, he's not going to be able to get out to, uh, to a linebacker. He's not going to be able to get out to that second level. He's not athletic enough. And then uh, it seems like in pass coverage, he wants to stop and plant his feet. So when someone blitzes him, he is just trying to reach out and grab him. Well, and he's like five seven, so he's not grabbing anyone. And it's just the ole. Yeah. So I'm not a fan of him anywhere. I mean, serviceable right guard, but. Well, so they have to. They-
2: Stacey Andrews has to be the guy. He has to because Gene Gillis. You want to talk about not getting out on anybody? That guy can't move.
3: Now he might uh, be uh, able to move now.
2: Lap band surgery or not? He's a yeah. big boy and he can't move. Um, but obviously, and, and this is still one of the things. Regardless of who wins these jobs, they need to get continuity quickly because mm-hmm. that's more important than anything. Um, so they got they, whoever it is in there. They got to, they got to get together and they got to learn to play together. Uh, tackles is a whole different issue. I mean, look, if this was a ground them out, you know, pound them running team, I'd be fine with Jason Peters. They're not. They're not. They like to throw the ball all the time. What can't Jason Peters do? He can't pass block. I mean, I just see this as such a – how did you not know he can't pass block?
5: Uh, And and they
2: went and they got uh, this guy. Are you happy with Jason Peters? I mean, I I can't believe he went to the pro ball. I'll tell you that.
3: Well, he – He's left something to be desired, uh, pass blocking, but I think to say he can't pass block is a bit uh, extreme. I mean, when uh, before he hurt his ankle against the Cowboys, he had DeMarcus Ware on lockdown, uh, and he's arguably the best pass rusher in the league. So I'm not sure what the deal is with Peters. Uh, so, I, I mean, I honestly I well, have no lead. idea. Some, some best days best. he looks like a superstar. Some days he looks like a scrub, pass blocking.
2: I'll give you that. Look, he does have his moments. I'll give you that. I'm speaking more in terms of what they gave up for him and what they signed him to. I expected mm-hmm. a little more. Mm-hmm. So, so I got a little problem with that. And, and so there are issues on the offensive line, and it's going to come down to Cobb, who I don't know. When you had a training camp watching him, uh, and G, G said he was doing it during the mini camps again. He starts running around like he's Donovan. No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. He can't be doing that. He's got to get that ball out quick. Uh, but he's gonna—he's got to know he's gonna take a lot of the blame. You know, jail breaks or not, they blamed that, those two cowboys games on Donovan, like he had anything to do with that. So that could be a problem if they—if they can't, you know, if they can't keep Kevin Cobb upright long enough, Desha- Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin might as well not even be out there. It Doesn't matter. I mean, who knew much about Andre Johnson while David Carr
3: was there? How did he yeah. do anything? <laughs> David Carr couldn't play, and he was on his back the whole time. Well, but, the uh, thing with that, too, is they're talking about uh, you know, it's going to be much more of a quick-release kind of offense, so they won't have to block as long as they did for McNabb. But I'll believe that when I see it, too. I agree with you. Reed has never run the West Coast offense, despite what anyone says. He's always run a vertical passing attack with McNabb. Uh, I mean, how often did we see McNabb throw uh, a five-yard pass? I mean, outside of a swing to Westbrook here and there, everything was ten, fifteen yards down the field. He's never right. run a West Coast offense. Now Morningwig, uh when he took over the play calling duties when Garcia was in there or uh you know back when uh obviously it wasn't Warnenwig then but when Feely came in O two, they ran the ball more and did a little more dinking and dunking. But I just don't I don't have faith that Reed is going to be able to stay to a five yard, you know, timing um, yeah. offense for very long.
2: Well even and you said it too um when when McNabb went down they changed their philosophy where it was more
3: reliant on the run and I
2: always wonder why Donovan never got the benefit of that approach.
3: Which, well, I think it's just because him. Reed saw what an army had and couldn't help himself. Yeah, he really He's couldn't. looking at McNabb going this guy can launch it 60 yards down the field without trying real hard. I got to throw it. Yeah, and and
2: what's funny is during that run in 06, I was like, "Oh, Jeff Garcia playing. Oh, he's so good. He's so much better than Donovan." I'm like, "Did you not notice they changed the entire offense to fit him?"
3: Yeah, it went from about 70-30 pass/run to about 55-45, and that's not to take anything away from Garcia. He no. was very good, but uh, the talk of keeping him over McNabb was it was ridiculous.
2: It's maddening. It gets to the point where I, I, if, I, if I'm in a bar, I, I can't even talk to people sometimes because it's just it's going to make my head explode. Uh, how ridiculous people are with that stuff. Now, that's obviously on the offensive side. uh <laughs> defense has got some big problems, too. Uh, in theory, they filled some of those holes uh, in the draft. Uh, look, if Brandon Graham can really play, and who knows whether he can or not, but if they really did improve this pass rush with the draft picks they made, that's going to save their skin in the secondary big time. And this is a secondary that might need their skin saved. I mean, right now they said Nate Allen's a starter go, uh, at free safety going into training camp. Oh, it's all well and good, I guess, but it, it, it's a rookie. I mean, we have to see how he plays. Maybe he can play, but, you know, if you're, if you're missing assignments and stuff like that, it leads to big plays. That's big problem. Mm. And, uh, you know, if, if you're getting <laughs> Ellis Hobbs, like you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> the corner opposite of Santi Samuel, i will be really curious to see who that is. Do you think there's any chance else Hobbs wins that starting job? Can they live like that?
3: Well, the, the thing there is who's the other option? You move That's Hanson problem. out of the nickel. Uh, you can't move Hanson out of the nickel. He's been too good in that nickel role. And he's not big enough. hes I mean, you talk about small corners. I mean, Hanson hey, is what, 5'2", buck 20. I think See, so, something like that. I mean, how is he going to cover Des Bryant or Roy Williams or uh, Miles Austin or anyone. I mean, he couldn't cover Santana Moss. But it's. I just don't have any faith in him on the outside macho era. Well, out coming there, off but... of a neck
2: injury, and he's not. He's never been a very good corner.
3: And yeah, he's I mean, you know, he, again, off. he's like he's a serviceable guy, but man, as a he's starter, okay, I, I I still think trading Sheldon was. It might have been a worse move than trading McNabb, and it was. It's just bad. Uh,
2: I, w- I wasn't a fan of it uh, when they did it. You know, if, if you had – you know, the, the year they let um, – after 2003, when they let they let Troy Vincent and Bobby Taylor walk, that was fine. Because you had these two kids and Lito and Sheldon. You, at least you had something. We didn't know if they could play. They were kids, but it was time for them to play. Uh, you, you, now you trade Sheldon. are you going to tell me Macho Harris was going to start? you got to be kidding me. I mean, I guess yeah, he's even well.
3: worse than he was at safety. But, yeah, well, and corner is his natural position is the other thing, too. I look at Macho, and I'm hoping it's a Winston Justice type of story. I mean, people were on Justice. Oh, he can't play left tackle, can't play left tackle. Okay, fine. He didn't play left tackle in college either. You know, you don't you don't make, a, as far as Justice goes, you don't make a right tackle in college to a left tackle in the pros. So maybe but Macho is. is just a corner. You know, that's that. So maybe he uh, plays well there. Yeah, maybe, uh, unless uh, Trevard Lindley is some stud they found in the fourth round. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> a lot of people had him as a reach, too. A lot of people I saw had him as a sixth-round pick.
2: Uh, I mean, you does me that, that mean a whole
3: lot? Of course not. No, it doesn't. Um,
2: but it makes you think you could have had him later, if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, and, and the secondary is still hurting. Now, as far as Asante goes, you know, I've heard stories that they are not happy with him at all, and that they'd get rid of him if they could, which I find real tough to believe, considering how thin they are. This guy makes a ton of money. Supposedly last year he wasn't listening to coaches. He was talking back to coaches in meetings. And he is not a real popular cat right now with the team. But talk about having a team between the legs. What are yeah. they going to do? Get rid of him?
3: Yeah, there's so nothing Macho Harris do. and Ellis
2: Hobbs, <laughs> your starting corners?
3: If you were going to move him too, it, it was a uh, draft weekend. Now it's far too late. Even if they wanted to get rid of him, they don't have a choice. They got to keep him. I'm not a fan of him. I'm not a fan of anyone who, uh, you know, he said to Philly.com just a couple of days ago, you know, I'm not going to tackle. I don't get paid to tackle. Uh, and he wants to talk about his interceptions. Now he went to the pro bowl. That's all well and good, but your team didn't do anything and your team didn't do anything because you refused to tackle. A wide well, receiver refused. when they ran a screen in Dallas, so... Well, he I'm, to I'm sick of him, and I think too. the team is, too. Those
2: two Dallas games, he was supposed... They were calling for him to be up
3: on the line, and he lined up mm-hmm. 10 yards off. Yep. How do you... And he, he refuses to play that? man. And that was the thing uh, with him coming over from New England. People said, well, he's a system corner. He plays that, that zone, uh, kind of awkward... Uh, coverage that Belichick runs out in New England. I was like, well, I mean, yeah, but how hard is it to play man up on a guy? Well, I I had no idea he was just that big of a a pansy.
2: Yeah, he sounds like a real pain in the rear end uh, to these guys. Um, But we got more defense and stuff to go over. we got to take a break, but uh, we will come right back here. We'll have more Eagles and maybe Phillies and whatever else you want. You can give us a shout. Uh, This is G-Cobb in the house on VoiceAmericaSports.com. All right, we're back here on t in the House on BoysAmericaSports.com. I'm Micah Warren along with Bob Cunningham. Uh, talking to Eagles, I just happened to uh, click right here at this little Phillies-Red Sox games off to a blistering start. 3-0 Boston, one out, bottom of the first. Oh, well, with the way the Phillies offense is hitting, that's probably game-set match right there. That That should probably do it. But, uh, but anyway, we're talking Eagles. Um, obviously a lot of concerns for this team this year. Um, very young team, though. So, you know, I, I don't want to jump on them too much because it's a very young team. And, and you said before, too, you know, if it's 8-8, eight and eight, uh, you know, that's a good year. And it probably would be considering how young the team is. Um, and, and I said before, and I got skewered for this one, too. For me to say what, uh, what kind of a season it was for the Eagles, and somebody just scored another – four and in Boston? Jeez. Five. For me to say it's a successful team uh, – for a successful – oh, I'm sorry, Bob. It was a home run. Five to nothing, Boston. One, one out in the bottom of the first. Oh, I don't think you're gonna need to watch this one tonight. But uh, for, for me to say what, what a successful season is, I really wanted to see how they're playing at the end of the year. Let's say last three, four games, how they're putting it together. Um, and I guess I had made the mistake of comparing it to the 99 season, which is not a direct comparison. I didn't mean to do that. But remember the 99 season, they were starting to be more competitive, and then those last few games, they started to look like a different team. Mm-hmm. You, and so you had this hope going into the following season that, well, yeah, they were 5-11, and fine, that, that's great. They were, But it looked like they were building on something. And that's really what I want to see with this team. Even if the first 11-12 games are a disaster, are they starting to put it together? Um, you know, because I really want to see that success heading into the following season, because I think you and I both agree, they didn't win a Super Bowl this year. And if mm. you didn't win the Super Bowl, then you're just one of 31 teams that didn't win the Super Bowl. Um, so I really, I really do want to see that. Uh,
3: you, you think the same thing, or you want to see the body of work from week one to the end
2: of the, end of the year?
3: Yeah, well, you've you got to look for a young team to, uh, to progress as the season goes on. That would be great. I mean, would love for them to come out and start winning immediately, but I mean, it's just not going to happen. It's not reasonable, and I would hope that the vast majority of the fans and media types aren't expecting this team to come out, you know, start three and one, four and zero out of the gate, and you know, Cobb to uh, have a perfect quarterback rating. He's going to throw lots of picks. He's going to make lots of boneheaded mistakes, uh-huh. uh, and it's. It could get very ugly for the first month or two. I mean, we're talking this could be a a two and five, uh, three and six, you know, kind of team heading into the final, uh, the the latter portion of the season. And also, and it could could be a situation where, uh,
2: you know, maybe they get lucky, they're playing well at the beginning of the year, and then the wheels come off. Remember Denver last year. Mm -hmm. they they came out guns a-blazing and beat the Patriots, and then all of a sudden Josh McDaniels knows what he's doing. Well, how'd that turn out?
3: Yeah,
2: You know, so so I guard against that, too. You know, even if they get to a hot start, it's like, all right, easy. they got a full season to do it. Um, And and, and you mentioned Cobb. Obviously, he's going to be the most watched, obviously. And those picks is what's – I really think that's going to be the make or break for him. Uh, he could throw for forty-five hundred yards, but he could also throw for twenty-plus picks. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really fit too well with me. Uh, but like we were talking about before, it's not just Cobb. This isn't just this isn't just him. Uh, and we were talk uh, talking about the secondary and how if it's not lousy, it's thin. To say we're okay with that, we'll say at least at the very least, it's thin. Absolutely. At safety, Quentin Michael's not coming off of a great year. Uh, you know, we watched all the games, so you, you get an idea that he had—he never had anybody consistently playing next to him that was any good. So it was almost mm-hmm. like he was trying to play two positions, and in the process was playing neither. Um, I think he'll benefit if he can get some, some decent safety play on the other side of him. He's got a sprained MCL, which he should be fine, but it makes you start to think, well, what if something happens to Quinton Michael? You already mm-hmm. lost Marlon Jackson, now you're down to Nate Allen, who you're hoping can play. Are you, are you are you happy with the safety group as it is right now? I mean, I, I, it's a wait and see, but right this second, do you
3: like it? No, not at all. I mean, you you got to think Nate Allen uh, can be a player. Uh, there's a lot of high hopes for Allen, and he better be good. By the way, because he'll always be linked to the McNabb trade since he's right. the guy they picked with that with that pick. So, uh, but if Michael goes down. Oh boy. We're starting to look like the giants of last year, you know, trying to plug in the towel boy to play safety and hoping for the best. I mean, Michael goes down and that really is the end of it. I mean that's just
2: to get C Brown on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> and you're screwed. Did Sean Jones sign anywhere else? I think he did.
3: Signed with the Bucks,
2: yeah. Oh God. Oh boy, that's secondary. But like, you know, hey, like we said before though, if you're getting the Giants won with Corey Webster, who is uh, depending on which week you see him, you don't know what you're going to get out of him. Aaron Ross mm-hmm. was a rookie and he hasn't been very good. Uh, you know, Michael Johnson was a seventh round pick that year as a safety. They won with they won a Super Bowl with a bad secondary because they had the pass rush. Mm-hmm. Um, and Howie Roseman even mentioned that. Um, we were talking to him and he said, you know, we were asking about you know why they went. Uh, with Brandon Graham, because everyone thought when they traded up. I don't know about you, but when they traded up, everyone, most everyone I knew, was thinking Earl
3: Thomas. That's where they were going. I stopped and watching. And he was he was going to draft Thomas. I stopped watching. I went and like did something else because I thought I was like, okay, the Eagles have drafted Earl Thomas. I'll be back. Come back to find out it was Brandon Graham. I, so, yeah, you should I know better. Sure they Bob. were thinking Thomas.
2: <laughs> but that's, you're right. But that's what everyone thought was Earl Thomas. What he told us was that they really felt like they knew they needed a defensive end and a safety, and they figured the defensive end they could get there to pair with the safety they could get at their next pick was going to be better than if they'd taken Earl Thomas and then they'd take another defensive end at the other spot, which makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. Um, plus, if Brandon Graham is an impact player, he's going to have a more positive impact, impact on that whole defense than Earl Thomas would if he was just as good at his position. Because if you're getting to the quarterback and disrupting everything, that makes everybody's life easier. That might make Asante Samuel look like a good corner, um, but that's to say that's the thing they really need to fix is this pass rush. Uh, Brandon Graham, you got to figure he's going to get every chance to start, and they're probably going to do some kind of a rotation or whatever. Uh, are you happy with what they've done here as far as a pass rush? They 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 need somebody opposite Trent Cole. Is you Clay Parker, he's he's just a guy at this point. Abby Amiri, yeah. to say he's on notice. <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, he's, he's sitting out of OTAs again in minicamp, so... Heard he's hurt again. Yeah, any any tackle out of him is purely bonus. So, I, I, mean, I did even think he
2: makes the roster. Did, did they even keep Abby Mary? 2007 second-round pick.
3: Uh, I, I, there's a real chance he gets the ax. There is a real chance uh, that he is gone. Uh, just because he, uh, he's so... Maddening because you look at him and you're like, wow, you know, that's, he's a physical specimen. He looks like sure. an athlete. When he's healthy, he can move like an athlete. But, man, it, it would be so hard to keep him. You know, if he's banged up through training camp like he was last year, it would be just so hard to keep To How do you justify giving a roster spot to this guy? We got more out of Antonio Dixon in his one year waiver wire rookie pickup than we've gotten out of Abby Amiri his entire career.
2: All right, well, that's another thing, too, is I want to talk about these deep tackles. Um, Patterson and Bunkley have been – they don't really get any heat. Uh, The whole time they've been here, uh, you know, Bunkley had the lost rookie year, but, you know, eventually he and Patterson have become this tandem, and they don't really get too much heat for it. They're kind of starting to. Would they have one-and-a-half combined sacks last year? It was one or one-and-a-half. It's bad. Are you okay with defensive tackles? They can't get to the quarterback. I mean, they're, they're your starters. They come off the field on third down, which uh, I have a feeling they would do that regardless of who was in there. Although if, you know, if you had John Randall or Kevin Williams, I don't think he would. Mm-hmm. you got to think they got to step it up a little bit, would you think?
3: Absolutely. I mean, well, and the thing about that, too, is I think uh, it didn't help them that no one feared the linebackers blitzing, you know, when – when they're afraid that your linebacker is going to shoot up that A or that B gap, you might have that guard who takes his eye off the, off the tackle for just a split second, and bam, he's right. in. They didn't have that. They were double-teaming one or the other because no one was afraid of that blitz. No one was yeah. afraid of the linebackers. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it, not trying to make excuses for them. They need to be better, both of them, rushing the passer, Bunkley especially. That's what he was brought in for. That's what he right. did at Florida State. So, And I'm Patterson sure was, was very good at that USC also.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, and, and it's not just them. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of busts from Notre Dame, Trevor Laws wasn't even dressing toward the end of the season. This is another guy's second-round pick an 08. What have they gotten out of him? He, he, he doesn't even get out. He doesn't even dressed. They don't even put the uniform on him. I mean, no. I, I, could they I really keep Trevor Laws knowing that, you know, Antonio Dixon was giving them more?
3: Yeah, I mean, they're just lucky that uh, they had that 49th pick and that they grabbed Deshaun Jackson. Could you imagine, Philly, right now, if we were looking at going, wow, we got Trevor Laws and Deshaun Jackson was on the board. But fortunately, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's a guy, though. you got to give him a- another year, I think. If really? You going to give Laws another form. year? You
2: don't think this is it for him in training camp?
3: It's real hard because I mean, with a lot of guys, you think you look at the rookie year, you don't expect much of anything. So he's really had one year. It was a terrible year. He did nothing. But a second round pick, you've invested, uh, you know, such a high pick in him. I think you got to give him one more year if you can find the roster spot. If there's a guy who outperforms him, they'll cut him. Cut him and yeah, move and I, on. And no,
2: we gotta take a break, but you make a good point, too. We haven't even done roster numbers or, or who's keeping where or how many or what position they're keeping. So it is, it is kind of tough to say at this point. But we got to take a break. Uh, we'll come right back here on g in the House on VoiceAmericaSports.com.
4: with 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we, cover, everything. we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice of America Sports. Pacific. Pacific time on the Voice America Sports Channel.
5: The IS Outdoors Talk Radio Show brings two well known outdoorsmen to the Voice America Network with hunting and fishing info news, talking about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and getting more from your recreation time. Join hosts Brock Ray and Don Kirk Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. Pacific Time for IS Outdoors on the Voice America Sports Channel. With their combined experience of 60 years in the woods, Brock and Don have traveled widely creating TV shows and writing articles on hunting and fishing. Blessed with down-home humor, they are also well-versed in environmental concerns, firearms ownership, and animal rights issues. IS Outdoors offers brisk interaction with the audience, soliciting opinions and questions on a wide range of outdoors subjects. Tune in every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time to the IS Outdoors Talk Radio Show with Brock Ray and Don Kirk, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.
4: The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred.
2: Back here on G-Cob in the house, I'm Michael Warren along with Bob Cunningham, and we've been talking some Eagles, but uh, I'm starting to get this feeling in my stomach like we do when we talk about the Sixers. Uh, regarding the Phillies, it's 5 to nothing right now in Boston. Uh, my buddy Jay, Jay Ashworth is up there who uh, hosts this show with us from time to time, so I'm sure he's feeling like that trip to Boston was worth it. Hope oh, he's got tickets for tomorrow. Um, I don't get too concerned about this stuff right this second. They're two and a half games back of uh, the Atlanta Braves. I don't really get into that. It's early June. I'm not really worried about standings. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot to go. Um, but one of the concerns we had to start the year was starting pitching. Uh, that was a, really well. Other than tonight, you know, for the most part, hasn't been bad. Um, Jamie Moyer has two complete games. Kendrick better than we thought he'd be. Probably. I mean. As soon as I found out he was going to get some serious starts, I mean, I, I puked a little in my mouth. Um, Hamilton has actually been all right. He's been pretty good. Uh, we know about Holiday Blanton is Blanton. But it's actually been okay. Uh, another thing that's concerned us was the bullpen, which <laughs> still does. But the thing that nobody was concerned about, and I don't necessarily think we have to be right now, this lineup. They can't hit a baseball. It, it, it is... Unreal how bad they have been, and this is beyond just uh, well they had a slow you know uh, bad series here and there. This lineup has been dreadful. Jason Worth, who was red hot, uh, he has a single tonight, but he's been dreadful. You know, is Abania ever going to get it going? And then it seems like Utley and Howard start to press. Uh, you know, I, I know it hurts to lose Rollins. How many teams can lose their leadoff guy and still have a guy like Victorino to come in and step in and play leadoff? So I, I, I don't really buy the Rollins' argument. The lineup's too deep. I mean, what's your level of concern, Bob, right now? Uh, what worries you the most about this team?
3: It, it, you,
2: I kind of just figured the lineup's going to come around. I don't worry too much about it. Is that your biggest concern, or is there other problems you saw with this team?
3: Well, I mean, uh, Jamie Moyer tonight is starting to look like Jamie Moyer again. Uh, you know, the, the complete games they weren't going to last all season. Now it looks like wheels are coming off a bit for him, so that's got to be a concern. You know, when Hatt comes back, uh, how effective will he be? When Madsen comes back, when Rollins comes back, how effective will they be? That's still a concern. Injuries are huge, and, yeah, the lineup, they just they look uninterested. Like they'd rather be somewhere else. You know, like they thought they were going to come in this year, sweep the NL, and they'd meet the Yankees again in the World Series. uh, There's a lot of of stories coming out of the locker room of Manuel having to get in people's faces, and they're watching movies before the game, and he's having to turn them off uh, and try to get them focused on the game. It sounds like complacency to me. It sounds like a team who can't handle the winning anymore.
2: Well, And... and if you remember, even in the past few years, this team always performed their best when it was, all right, well, you know, it's August. You better do, better. make your move at some point. And then they would get hot and they'd play well. Um, mm. In the in the past, oh, God, I think someone just popped another homer. That's a two-run homer. Oh, man. I have to wait for my little, my little major league pitch-by-pitch thing to tell me what happened, but they scored a run. They had a runner on first. Um, and, you know, Bob, you might be right. This, this is a team that maybe they did uh, read their headlines a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe they started to believe that all we have to do is show up and we're going to win. And then when it didn't happen, maybe they start to push the panic button. I, I will say this: um, oh, sorry, it was a double. My my apologies. It's only six to nothing. Um, That's all. <laughs> it's only six, and you know what's funny? We were talking before uh, when when I looked at the lineups, I was baffled. I look and I see Jamie Moyer has a better ERA than John Lackey, who was the big free agent for uh, for the Red Sox. They got him from Anaheim. I'd like to revise that. Moyer now has a worse ERA than Lackey. And he had like 40, 50 points on him. Just in this two innings, he's now got a worse ERA than Lackey. Oh, Lord. Oh, boy. And, and again, I'm I'm still reserving my anger or or frustration because I think it will come around. And at one point, they'll, they'll start hitting the ball. But right now... I guess you could look at it like I'd rather they do this now than in September. Oh my lord, another run scored. I, I'm watching this. I'm just watching this on my, my pitch by pitch. So, oh god, this is something else. You know what? I guess if you're going to melt down, do it all
3: at once, right? Yeah, at least make it interesting. So yeah, maybe maybe
2: Lidge can get some work tonight. Um, he's actually third, been okay. And, you know, you mentioned when Madsen comes back. First of all, that guy should not get paid for eight weeks. That's nuts. Nice.
3: Oh, God, no. That's, that's the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard. Wrong. Outside of Milton Bradley throwing the ball away with two outs, Madsen kicking the chair, whatever it is he kicked, and breaking his toe. Well when Milton the dumbest Bradley things does I've it, ever heard. Cute. <laughs> What's
2: that? I said, when Milton Bradley does it, it's cute. Because he's such a trained Yeah. Rat, that I find it yeah, entertaining. Just had him way. on the head
3: and push him into the dugout, it's fine. Oh, God, but,
2: you know, so and it's funny because Madsen did that the day Lidge came back. You're finally sitting there thinking, well, maybe we now we have some semblance of order back in the bullpen again. Nope. Mm. Nope. So you still have a shaky bullpen, and, and to me, uh, when it comes down to it, what's going to be the real problem? I don't see the lineup being the problem. When it comes down to it, this bullpen, I think, is going to be a problem. And that may have to do with, you know, Poor starts during the season where they get worn down. Uh, but, you, you know, and, and it's a lot of things that really didn't get talked about. You know, the, the, the big move, the Roy Halliday, that's the one we all remember. Think about losing Chan Ho Park and what he meant to that bullpen. I didn't love losing Clay Condry. You know, this it, is a shaky bullpen. I mean, do you think they can win? If you're in a close game with the Yankees in Game 4 of the World Series, are you, are
3: you comfortable with whatever comes out of that bullpen? Absolutely not! How can you be? I mean, it's well. That's the thing with the Phillies. So for the past few years, it's been the bullpen. I mean, what have we been? What have we been talking about the past few years? when they've been on their run. Can the bullpen hold up? Can the bullpen hold up? It's it's definitely worrisome, and I don't know how you solve it. Uh, well, that's the right now. Thing is the-
2: bullpens are so tough to cobble together. It's one of the toughest things to do, do in sports is to put a bullpen together. Because by nature, I mean, think about it. You're dealing with guys that aren't good enough to start and aren't good enough to close, mm. <laughs> you know, or else they would be, and that, that would be their role. But so you have a bunch of guys and then that's tough to do. But we'll see what happens. Uh, right now it is not looking good in Boston. Philadelphia, you are, you are down a touchdown to the Patriots uh, in the second inning with no, with none out. <laughs> And David Ortiz, who is on fire up at the plate. Uh, We'll see what happens there. They're not winning this series. I can't see that because traditionally they're just lousy against the Red Sox. But I've made myself sick enough for now. Hopefully, Bob, I didn't make you too sick, too, talking about these Phillies. But uh, I want to thank you for joining me this week. Uh, Bob Cunningham, I'm Micah Warren, and we will see you guys next week. Same time, this is G-Cop in the house on VoiceAmericaSports.com. Have a great one, everybody.
1: Time to break the huddle. We'll be back again next Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern for another edition of G. Cobb in the House with Gary Cobb and Micah Warren. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you again soon.